This podcast is sponsored by Tell2App.com. Welcome to The Life of a Networker. On this podcast, we are featuring industry leaders from the network marketing profession to share with you the stories, inspiration, and leadership. Now, here is global business developer, leader in authentic sharing technology, your host, Mr. Mike Fedick. Hello and good morning out there to all of our uh, followers and the people that uh, have downloaded our podcast, The Life of a Networker. We are so grateful. I'm in the studio this morning with my uh, partner, Chris, and we're here uh, to, to interview someone that really has had tremendous success. And when I mean tremendous success, him and his wife um, have just exploded their business, not to a six-figure-a-year income, but now to a six-figure-a-month income. And that's always exciting because to be able to get those accomplishments in the industry that we're in, you've had to help a lot of people. It's impossible to get to six figures a month without helping hundreds and if not thousands of people achieve their dreams and helping their families. So in the studio with us this morning, we're honored. We're grateful. I've got Frank Filipponi in the house. Uh, his wife, Marielle, is out working, of course, like she's always doing, building the business. So we're grateful and lucky enough to at least have Frank with us this morning. Frank, welcome to the studio, my friend. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it, Mike. It's, uh, it's, it's an honor to be even asked to be uh, joining you guys today. So thanks. Oh, you got it, man. Well, we're excited and uh, we'll just kick off here, man. Um, first of all, I know you, you originally came from San Diego. I used to live in Encinitas, so we've got uh, uh, some connection there already. I love SoCal, but even when you're making six figures a month, it hurts uh, sometimes to pay for stuff in SoCal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so no kidding. Those property taxes at the end of the year. Uh, but man, I know you've got three kids, 12, 10, and eight. Uh, maybe those ages have changed since the last interview I heard you on, but Take us back, Frank, um, when you guys, you and your wife, initially got started. When was that? And the fun part is, what was the tool or what was the event that someone got you to come out to to believe in that network marketing could be something for you and your family? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great question. So we got started back in the end of 2012. And, um, you know, back in those times, my wife and I, we owned a few Pilates studios in San Diego. And I was doing full-time road construction at the time. And somebody, one of my wife's um, Pilates clients, you know, brought her a sample product one day for a network marketing company. And ultimately, you know, Mariel fell in love with the product. And, you know, next thing I know, I'm coming home from work and we're partners in an in a MLM. And it, you know, it, to me, it was, it was kind of a joke, I guess you'd say at the beginning. I'd always heard of these of these businesses, always had friends trying to get me in them. And it was just never something I saw myself doing. And uh, I'll be honest, I kind of made fun of Marielle for even thinking that she was going to have any success here. But, um, you know, little by little, she started growing her business, started growing her team. And I don't know, probably within the first couple months, she started bringing home paychecks that were matching my paychecks that I had been building you know, for 15 years at the time, over 15 years in road construction. And it, and it got my attention, you know, so she started hosting like the little house parties and, you know, all of her friends were coming over and the excitement in the house and like even the personal development that started coming into the house really started opening my eyes, I guess you'd say, 
so she dragged me down to an event that, you know, they had like the, the area events, you know, down in San Diego. And I went down there and after the event, basically the, the kid who was leading the event was half my age and he was making a ton of money and he was wearing a fancy suit. And the whole thing was just kind of unbelievable to me. But at the end of the, of the presentation, he kind of cornered me and sat me down. I don't know if it's because he saw potential in, in myself or if he just wanted me to help my wife because he saw her potential, but he could tell that I like kind of wanted nothing to do with it. After a few minutes of me trying to come up with every excuse in the book, you know, about my job and this and that, he kind of gave me that whole network marketing cliche line of, hey, it doesn't bother me that you have a job, but what bothers me is that that's all you have is a job. And I wanted to slap him, you know, I was like, how dare you say that to me? You know, I was good at my job. I liked my job and I was making good money at my job. But what happened is, is after that sank in and, and putting all the pieces together of what was going on around me and what I saw my wife creating and the system she was building in, you know, it, it dawned on me that that's all I did have was a job. You know, I had no retirement plan. I had no, um, you know, I had nothing to fall back on if, yeah. if something was to go wrong in, in my road construction career. You know, I was I was all already at the top of my pay scale. So if I wanted to earn more money, it ultimately came down to me just putting in more time. And I got I was I was sick of trading my time for somebody else's money. The more I worked, the less time I was spending with my three kids. And at this time, we had three of them. We had just had our third kid and our our oldest was only three years old. That's when I decided that it was time for me to make a change, you know, and I, I, I got involved and started started building the business full time, not full time, but as hard as I could with my wife while still wo- working my job full time. Yeah, no, that's that's so awesome. Man. And I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, for our listeners that are listening in, you know, there's a lot of them that that have um, either a couple options. One is they have a supportive spouse and the spouse is like, go, honey, go. That's not that often usually. I think a lot of times what it takes is what uh, Marielle did with you, and that is to just go out and do the deal and then come back with some checks. Uh, It's kind of funny how the checks a lot of times can get the attention to at least know that, hey, this thing is kind of real. Holy cow. Like, you know, she's making as much as I'm making. I'm working full time. You know, I got to support it in some way. But, you know, the next step in that process was getting you to a big event and kind of seeing the, the bigger picture of what was possible. And yeah, you know, that, that question or that, that thing that that leader uh, mentor said to you was, was something that uh, I know at times people want to punch the person in the face because, right. you know, you're like that, but then it does, it sits on you. And for our listeners, what that means for you is, look, you're working your job out there. That's okay. In fact, keep working your job, especially if you're not even at six figures uh, a year in your network marketing business. Keep right. working that job because that job is stability. It does pay the bills. It does give you that peace of mind not to be so stressful to try and build a business. So, Frank, I appreciate you sharing that. Let's kind of move into then what happened the next step then once you did kind of you know say, hey, I, I can do this with you and you and Marielle kind of teamed up together and you put in all the time that you could while still working full time. And there she is building the business. What was it like working uh, together? Is there some, some things that uh, advice you can give to our listeners that may be trying to work with their spouse and maybe it's not working out well, or maybe they're just not jiving together. Is there a few things that along that process helped you guys really work well together? Yeah. You know, at first it was really, really hard. I have to admit, because 
you know, I was a foreman for a road construction company. And when I wanted to get things done, I wanted them done my way. And I wanted them done now. And if you, you couldn't, like, you couldn't come to me with an excuse and expect me to have sympathy, you know, whereas my wife is like the most generous, loving, caring person in the world. And and she just always feels that it's, it's hard to explain, but like, she, she always, I guess, maybe has empathy for the people that, for her team. And it was, it was hard for me to grasp that. So at first we would butt heads a lot because, you know, people would come to us with, Oh, I can't make that meeting that night because I have this. And I'd be like, well, what's more important to you, you know, making money or blah, blah, you know, being at your kid's baseball game, you can go to his baseball game next week. And my wife would just be tugging at my shirt. Like, Hey, 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 you know, this is a volunteer army. And so at first we had a lot of trouble um, figuring out each other's roles, I guess, if you would, because we're both strong willed people. But in time, what we've learned is that she's really good at certain things in our business. And I'm really good at certain things in our business. And once we figured out what those things were, we became more of like a well-oiled machine, I guess you'd say. But man, we had some really troubling times. I mean, to the point where there was times when I completely did have to walk away for for a few weeks to a month at a time and just be, you know, just be dad and kind of get, get away from all the drama. Cause I mean, unfortunately when you deal with as many people as we deal with on a daily basis, it's uh, you have to be really personally developed to deal with some of the stuff that we, that we have to put up with. Yeah, man, that's so true. You know, I, I can imagine the organization, the size of yours, uh, there's times where you, you have to play Dr. Phil. Uh, there's times where you got to be uh, like Kevin O'Leary on Shark Tank. <laughs> yes. Probably all different moments. And then there's times where you just have to be the shoulder and let, let the team cry on it because they've had a bad day or, or whatnot. And, and that's one thing that for our listeners is, yeah, you are building a, a business. Some of you are pushing products. Some of you are pushing services. Uh, Some of you are doing some stuff in a digital world now in the financial, no matter what uh, space you're in, in our industry, and no matter what your products are, you to get to the level of six figures a month, you have to really start to learn how to deal with people. We are always going to be in the people business before product. We're going to be in the people business before services, and we're going to be in the people business before money. And when you really, truly treat the business as a people business, uh, it's when I see the, the leaders like yourself and your wife. I'll really grow to the next level. Let's that, let's that, let me ask you a question that, you know, for, for a lot of our uh, previous guests, I asked this and the answers are in similar in some ways, but always a little twist on it. What is your thought, Frank, on why do you think so many people quit too soon? You know, they join the business, they get excited, they're in for a couple of weeks. And then they, and not only do they quit, some of these people just go so MIA that you can't, they won't even respond back to your text. What do you think are some of the reasons why people quit so fast? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Also, you know, I I feel there's probably two strong reasons. One of them being a lot of people, unfortunately, are misled by the people that they get started with. You know, unrisk unrealistic um, ideals, I guess, or or dreams, kind of put out in front of them that that they that they see are never going to happen for them. Or you know, maybe you know, even if you take a guy like myself, when I recruit somebody, they think that they're going to end up just like me overnight. And I have to actually tell them that from day one, you know, that, you know, I've been not only doing this for 10 years, but 
I've also got an anomaly that as my work partner, you know, so like I try to keep my expectations low. And I think a lot of times people are recruited with very, very high expectations of what they're going to earn within their first week to month to, to even year. And then another thing I think that keeps that, that gets people out quickly is the low barrier of entry, the low cost of entry, if, if that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. for example, the company I'm with, it's it's forty dollars for an entire year, you know, aside from your, your auto delivery each month. But when someone can start a business for as low as $40 and I've heard them less and I've heard them, you know, tens of thousands, but bottom line is, is that when it's such a cheap price, a lot of people don't take it serious. And so they never really get started in the first place because they don't have enough skin in the game. Yeah. You know, you're so right. And, and, and I think that's, um, you know, it's been so common over the years, you know, the last 10, 20, 30, 40, and now, you know, over 50 years, our industry has been around um, is it is. It's not a McDonald's franchise or not Subway where you have to spend six figures uh, because my mentor always said, and, and I know you come from that thread um, as well, Frank, is, is he always said, look, when you get buy a franchise for 500 grand, you don't have to tell the person to show up on Saturday. You don't have to tell the person to show, you know, show up and, and be the first there and the last to close. They are there because they number one, got to get their money back and it will take them three to five years in a franchise to be able to do that. And so I'm with you on that. It is the, the price of entry and, and, you know, and then I think too, a lot of times is, you know, depending on who your law of associations are, you know, you go home and start hanging around those negative broke people and not broke in a, in a disrespectful way, but, um, and some people not even broke financially, but just broke mentally. That means they're always negative. They're always down. And when you go into that environment after coming out of a meeting, being so excited about something you saw that could potentially help your life, and then your friends just beat you up, it's hard to get back motivated again. And so that kind of leads us right into the next question. How important was it for you guys, especially in the early days? I know the company that uh, you guys were involved with, and I remember the first year you launched and the second year and the third year. I mean, it was it was like, watch out Amway because you guys were coming with a torch. And I know that there was some incredible mentorship in that company. Tell us what that meant to you guys and the importance for some of our new listeners, how important it is to lock arms and find someone who's a mentor, whether you know them personally or you're following them on YouTube, how important is it to find someone to lock arms with to, to get to the top? Oh, it's, it's ridiculously important. Um, and to be honest with you, we are no longer associated with the same company as those mentors. They went somewhere else and we, we didn't follow them because where we, where we wanted to end up. But still to this day, uh, we talk with them on a fairly regular basis. Um, you know, he was, uh, there was, there's one who really stands out in my mind and, and same with my wife, if you were to ask her. But he's just, um, he's a machine and he taught us not only how, like so many really, really great things of how to treat people in this industry, but then there's also some things that, that maybe we saw him do that we went, we can never do that to our team. Yeah. And I, I think those were the biggest things that we learned um, by having, having such a powerful mentor is if you're coachable and you're actually sitting back and paying attention you can see how people drive their team, what drives volume and what pushes volume away. It's, it's, it's very important to have somebody like that to, to lock arms with. And to be honest with you, when we first got started, we kind of scared all of our upline support away because we were blowing right past all of them. So we didn't have 
anybody to really call a mentor until we found this one guy. And But the problem with him was he was all the way at the top of the company and we didn't really get his attention until we had, you know, earned our way into the, the six figure club, if you would. And that's another thing that, that we learned, you know, kind of not to do with, with our team is to, when you see a leader start coming up is to lock arms with them as quick as possible, because not only will you help their business by doing that, but obviously it helps, you know, our business in, in the long run when you keep those people around long-term. Yeah. You know, it's so funny you said that because it goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, you got to always put this as a people business first. And what you're saying is, you know, here you guys are, you came in and started crushing it. Well, of course, you know, all these upline support that is supposed to be there now says, oh, I don't need to work with those guys. They're, they're doing it on their own. In fact, they're surpassing me in, in my volume. I got to go to my inside leg now. I got to go help another organization. And what's funny is, my mentor always taught me the opposite. He said, when you see the fire, go to the fire, continue yep. to work with the fire, make the bonfire, you know, a hundred feet high, not three feet high. And, and so, but I see that a lot. I see that, you know, when people identify someone moving up, um, they, they kind of just let them go and do their own thing. And, and then I, I've always hated Frank, I've always hated this mentality of, you know, you're always at, you're at the very top and there's this, there's a small inner circle and you've got to earn your way into this inner circle. And, you know, I come from just this whole different approach now in my life. And I, and I used to be the person striving to try to get into that inner circle. I thought it was everything. And now that I understand people and I understand love and I understand humanity, it's just so stupid to do that because there's, there's goals and there's great things to hit. And I think, you know, hitting certain ranks for certain trips, all that is fine. But when I'm at a, at a, at a bar or I'm at a restaurant and there's a circle and, and it's kind of closed off, you know, you should make people feel welcome at all times. When the more money you make, the more welcome you should have people. So I love that about you guys. And like you said, you learn good things from your mentors and you learn things that you didn't want to do uh, as you guys branched off and went on your own. And, and obviously you knew what you were doing. And, and that kind of leads into, you know, some things I know that you guys are big upon and that's contest for your team always incentivizing them. And I, I, I don't even know the number, but I know it's, you know, probably six figures now since you've been with your new company that you guys have given back and put into your team. Uh, so talk a little bit about that. What is, what is the, um, some of the contests maybe you guys do or the importance of creating a culture of that kind of uh, contest and, and recognition for your team? Yeah, absolutely. So we absolutely spend a ton of money back into our business through incentives like trips and, and giveaways and retreats and stuff like that. Because one, it's, it's a great write-off <laughs> that, <you Yeah>. know, <laughs> that, that keeps money growing back through our team. Two, like you said, everybody wants to be included in, in a free trip or a trip that they earn. Um, it feels much better you know, earning a trip than it does paying for a trip. We like to always do it in, in ways where anybody can earn it, no matter what your, your rank is, most of our stuff. So it's, we try to include as many people as possible. But what it also teaches our team is to do the same thing down throughout their team. And it doesn't have to be on the level that we're doing it, but even as much as just having a, taking a, a small group of your leaders to lunch, you know, whenever there's an event, you know, after the event, you know, you take them out and spend a couple hundred bucks on, on your leaders, make them feel good and, and treat them to a nice meal. You know, if that's all you can afford or even um, going as far as when you've got a leader who's growing, who's got a, a team started in a different state or somewhere else across the country. But, you know, that person can't afford to travel to that team and help grow them. 
you know, throw them on an airplane, get them a hotel room, give them a, give them a gift card to put their meals on. You know, if they're putting in the time and they're willing to do it and they, you see the potential in them by investing back in your team, this like in ways like this, I think are way better than, you know, just giving gifts to people like gifts are great, but gifts don't necessarily help you build business. I see all kinds of people out there giving, you know, they'll have someone hit a rank and they give them a fancy watch or a fancy pair of shoes, which everybody loves gifts, but we prefer to do things that actually will help our business grow long-term because then again, our leaders will duplicate what we did to them through their team. And then it'll just keep going down and down and constantly we'll have all this money being spent back into growing our business by all of our people. Yeah, no, that's so true. And that's, that's awesome. And, you know, it's, it, I've always, I've always watched that when you gather, especially like you said, some of the events um, that you can bring to the retreats and stuff and getting people together and building that culture and that time that, you know, especially when they're on different organizations within your team, you know, different sideline uh, people become friends and then friends become family. And all of a sudden you're building this, this one big organization that's all striving together, even though they're not tied, some of them financially together, they still work together. And that's, that's the idea of bringing them all together. So I love that. Just wrapping up here, man. I know that, you know, when you get to a, a point in life, and all your bills are paid for. You've got really no more debt unless it's good debt, assets that are kicking off cash flow more than, than what the mortgage is and things like that. But, but to be financially secure the way that you guys are, what are some of the things that you've been able to do, whether your wife surprised you with some stuff? So outside of the team, what are some things that you guys have been able to do in a fun way with the money, um, whether it's charity, whether it's uh, trips for family, just just any cool things that can inspire people that if they get to this point, they could be able to do the same thing? Wow, that's a good one. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I'm doing it right now. I'm, I'm on my way to Boise from Park City, Utah, where I live. I've got a presentation I've got to do there tomorrow night, and I've got a truck full of mountain bikes and my son sitting here in this hotel room with me and we're getting ready to go do a mountain bike ride and we're going to go to a water slide park and we're going to eat pizza and ice cream and candy and nice. basically just have a have a, a men's men's little retreat weekday kind of kids out of school let's go and show my kids the world that's the main thing that my wife and I I think are trying to do with our money is we want to have enough to show our kids the world. We want them to experience the things that, that we didn't necessarily get to experience because our parents were working all the time. We can work from anywhere. So we try to be doing that work from all over the place. You know, I, I don't know if that really answered your question about, about money wise, but that's really what drives us is we've got these three kids that, that we take full responsibility for teaching them how to be good people. And that's what we're hoping this money does. We're trying to teach them how to properly save, how to properly invest, um, how not to, you know, be an idiot with money. Because ultimately, and all the main thing we're teaching them is how to build relationships. I mean, these kids have traveled the world with us and have met so many awesome families from all over the place that they still keep in touch with on not social media, but they're we, you know, they have phones and they're able to text and there's messengers for kids and stuff. And the fact that these kids will have so much opportunity in front of them by the time they're old enough to take advantage of it. Like, I just don't want to have lazy kids. I want, I want, 
I want them to be go out and go get it and not be a little spoiled brat. No, man, that's so awesome. And, and yeah, it did answer the question. It's, it's creating moments. It's creating yes. events and things for the, for the family. And, and that's really what it's about. And, and I'm so on the same page as you. I, at one point in my life, you know, being young and, you know, I was single, I wanted the Rolls Royce. I wanted all this fancy stuff and the watches. And now I literally, I laugh at that stuff. I'm like, what were you, what are you thinking? Like, imagine going on a cruise with your whole family and paying for the suite and getting everybody on board and paying their flights and all that. That means so much more than a Rolex watch and so much more than a, than a fancy car. And listen, if you want both, go for it. But for me, I, I'm, I'm the same way. It's creating those moments with the money and, and that's what it's truly about. So uh, Frank, I can't thank you enough on behalf of myself and Chris and of course uh, the, the, the audience here of a life of a networker. Uh, we appreciate you and, and looking forward to, to getting your wife on uh, here one day and, and just super proud of you guys. You're doing it the right way. Uh, you've got a beautiful reputation throughout the industry, crushing six figures a month. And you guys, from what I know, are just getting started. Um, this is just the beginning. I think your uh, your six-figure a month check will turn into a six-figure a week check. And all that really means for you guys is more trips for the kids. So I'm sure the kids are rooting you on to make more money, mom and dad, because we get to go better and faster. And you know, who knows, we'll probably end up in a, on a rocket ship here in a few years if Elon Musk and these guys get to get to go to space. So Frank, thanks so much, my friend. We appreciate you. And we're grateful to have you. Hey, absolutely. I, I, I'm like I said, I'm honored to even be asked to be on here. So you guys keep kicking butt. You guys are doing a great thing. And uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Life of a Networker. We really hope you have gotten some inspiration or value from listening to our show. For more info or to reach out, visit us at thelifeofanetworker.com. This podcast is sponsored by the Tell2 app, powered by Rapid Funnel. It's not just another app, it's an entirely new technology category. The Tell2 app gives you a genuine way to build real relationships with your customers and get quality referrals with less work from you. Go to tell2app.com and build your brand, your way, and tell your story better.